Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Let's go. 
All right, welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. It's February 12th. We're already halfway through the second month of the year. I guess as we get older, the years just keep going by quicker and quicker. The days, the weeks, the months, they just keep going by quicker and quicker and quicker. But we got a great show for everybody tonight. A big one, three guests. We haven't had three guests on the show in one night in quite some time, but we do tonight. Ross from Emulation will be calling in. Nick from Wretch will be calling in. And Steve Zimmerman from Enemy Remains. So stick around. It's a great one. Right there, we started things out with Omen, Die by the Blade. We went old school back to the first record. You know, a lot of people were condemning Omen's latest record, Hammer Damage. I thought it was a good record. It could have had a little bit better production to it, I mean, especially in this day and age. Uh, but a lot of people complained that the drums were uh, like, you know, electronic drums, uh, drum tracks. But we had Kenny on the show that says, no, they weren't. They were live drums. It's just the production of the album. But some really good songs on there, in my opinion. There's just a few people that weren't happy about the record, I guess. But I kind of enjoyed it. All right, we're going to keep the music flowing here because we've got to jump into our first guest in about 15 minutes or so. So how about some accept? John wanted to hear this. We did the my Metal Valentine's show on Thursday, but we had problems with the power because there was a snowstorm going on here in New York. So I kind of like rushed through the show just to get it on the air. Uh, but John wanted to hear Metal Heart by Accept. So here you go, John, for Valentine's Day this Tuesday. It's all yours.
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here.
All right, out of Italy, back in the day, Bari, Italy. Uh, this band was around from like 1981, band is Shining Blade. Uh, that is actually from the band's second demo from 84, off the Ace of Blades demo. It's called On the Battlefields, which is funny because that was the title actually of their first demo from 83. The band only had one record out in 86, but I heard they had gotten back together about a year or so ago. And it's uh, the whole original lineup, I believe, except for the keyboard player. I don't think they have a keyboard player in the band right now. But I haven't heard anything about the guys or what they're doing or, you know, if they're recording or anything. Uh, matter of fact, I really didn't even know they were back together to play the song. I just looked something up. But uh, they were a pretty cool band, and I, I kind of dug them. Uh, the album wasn't the greatest produced record in the world, but it has some killer tracks on it. So I think I'm going to look up more about the guys, see where they are and if they really are together. And uh, maybe try to get one of them on the show, because that's what we like doing here. We like getting these classic underground bands you know, that people forgot about over the years on the show and talk to them about what's going on back then and what's happening today, if they're doing anything today. All right, we got about, uh, I don't know, about 10 more minutes where we have to get to Ross Dolan from Emulation. We'll get on one or two more tunes between now and then. It looks like uh, Phil Verone, if anybody cares, from Skid Row, is now playing drums in Red Dragon Cartel. Uh, Jakey Lee's band. That band's had a lot of lineup changes, especially with the singers. I think they actually have the original singer back in now, or at least the one that recorded the album with the band. I don't know uh, if that's even the case anymore, but that was the last I heard. Sometimes you just give up on this band. They're trying to keep track of what's going on because members come and go so frequently, and, it, and it's kind of weird when it's a brand new band. I mean, they were only together for a short period of time, and members were in and out, in and out. So you don't know if it's a Jakey Lee who's difficult to be with and play with or, you know, guys just weren't jiving. But that seems to be the case with a lot of bands today, keeping members in the band. A lot of them just don't have the time to dedicate to it. You know, we're all older now for most of these bands. Family gets in the way, and there's little to no money to be made, you know, playing music anymore. So they really don't have the time to dedicate to it when it costs the money. You know, they should be able to just play and make a little money. But unfortunately, that is the way of the world right now. All right, let's jump into another tune. And uh, maybe we'll get to the Ross Dolan interview right after that. How about some Possessed with Pentagram?
Heretic with time run short. I don't know what's going on with those guys. They've been pretty inactive uh, for quite a while uh, on the live scene and as far as uh, putting out any new material goes. I know they're still together. I just don't know what's going on. Glenn Rogers, who part away with the band uh, a little while ago, has a new band called Final Decree. Uh, we'll have Glenn on the show real soon. They're, they're working on some new music right now. And I guess once he has it available, we'll have him back on here. Sammy Dejan from uh, Ruthless is actually fronting that band also. So uh, some pretty good stuff is going to come out of those guys, I'm pretty sure. All right. Let's see what Ross Dolan from Emulation has to say. Sit back and relax, everybody. I'll talk to you in about a half hour. Ross, this is Mike. Can you hear me? Hey, Mike. How are you? I hear you great. Oh, man, I'm doing great. How are you today? Well, you know, originally Brooklyn, these days Staten Island, so, you know, yeah. Uh, I can tell. <laughs> I, was, I was just talking that, like, uh, actually, my last two interviews were from, I'm almost from Finland, so I'm from Sweden. So as soon as you answered, I was like, oh, he's a New York <laughs> Sometimes it's easy to understand the people from Finland than the guy from Brooklyn. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Ah, uh, you too. Hey, listen. You know, I go back with the band from when Robert's playing guitar in rigor mortis. So it's almost been a. Th- yeah, it's been almost a thirty-year journey, man. And I'm glad that you guys are still at it. And you know what it is? It's it. It still seems like you're enjoying it, and it's fun. I think that's the most important thing. It is. It is. And I'm glad you noticed that because we're like uh, we're still like. Uh... You know, the 18-year-old kids when we started, you know, we're just like, oh, we're always excited, especially now because this is always an exciting time for us because we finally get that, that feedback from, you know, people like yourself, the press, and, you know, the label and uh, our friends who finally get to hear it. So it's, like, very cool to finally be at this point now to get the feedback. So, yeah, we're excited. We're happy, man. Uh, I'm glad. You know, I listened to the record, and I'm like, you know what? There's, like, not one ounce less of aggression today than back in, like, 1988. I mean, does it get harder as you get older to kind of maintain that, or is it just because the way we live and the world we live in keeps you that aggressive? Yeah, I think it's all of those things combined. I mean, we're still hungry. You know, we're, we still really enjoy what we do. We're still very passionate, like I said earlier. And we're still hungry. You know, we've never been that band that had, like, that immediate success. It's always been a long, uphill battle for us. You know, we, we've always been, like, the two-step-forward, one-step-back kind of band. You know? <laughs> So I think, you know, at the end of the day, in retrospect, it does kind of harden you a little bit. It kind of makes you very focused. And, you know, again, the fact that we enjoy it definitely, you know, you know, adds to that, you know, of course, you know. And, uh, uh, you know, I think the world, as you said, also does kind of uh, play into that. I mean, we definitely live in a crazy world and there's endless amounts of inspiration. You know, we're very cynical the way I, I, I see things and, uh, you know. I think that all plays into it, like you said, you know, and it, it, it does uh, make it easier to kind of, you know, uh, you know, create songs that are very dark and aggressive and uh, just kind of over the top in, in that sense, it, both mu- musically and lyrically, you know, and, and uh, I think the fact that we do have almost 30 years under our belts, you know, I think we're at a point where we actually know exactly what we want to achieve with each record, you know, and, you know, each one's completely different in its own way but you know there still is that you know 
continuity through all of our releases. And so as long as we, you know, create something that we're happy with and that something that really fits in with the rest of our releases and that whole kind of, you know, uh, that, that whole catalog of releases that we have, then we're happy, you know. And the fact that everybody else is kind of latching onto it now and really enjoying it and, and really, uh, you know, have, have having positive things to say is it's just an added bonus for us, really. So, yeah, it's, 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 a, good, it's a good time, really. Ah, uh, that's great. You know, like you were talking about the world we live in, it, it gives you more than enough material, and that has been the direction you've been going lyrically over the last few records. I mean, Absolutely. do you feel like you're a storyteller when you're writing words to a song where you want to tell a story? Do you really have to believe in everything you write about? Because some of the stuff is really stark and dark, and, I mean, way out there, especially the, stuff, the religious stuff. Do you really feel like you have to write from the side where you believe it, or you just want to you know, purvey a story about a general topic? You know, we always focus on, uh, you know... And, and people always think, wow, you guys must be very pessimistic, very dark, you know, people who, who see zero hope in the future. And that's not entirely true. I, I, I consider myself optimistic despite, you know, what you see in our lyrics. Our, our, our lyrics are very dark because I think we, we touch on ideas and subjects that are very relevant to the time and that, you know, are, are things that people don't normally talk about, you know. And, you know, you mentioned the earlier stuff we um, – the first four records, we really honed in on religion, and that was just our opinions on religions. And we 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 talked about religion from many different perspectives and many different aspects of that, you know. Um, and then uh, once uh, once 9/11 hit us, uh, from that point forward, we kind of shifted lyrically, and we had more of a a, a, a broader view of the world of, of just that inherent darkness that I see. In, in mankind, you know, and I think it's it's been there since the very beginning. We 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 have always been a very destructive species, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Of course, I'm generalizing. I mean, not everybody is like that, but we do have it in our nature, you know, and 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 that's something we always hone in on because I think you have to understand, you know, the negative aspects of the world if you want to move forward in a positive way. So we've always kind of focused on that and honed in on that. And the underlying thing I I think since the beginning whether it manifests itself through religion or, or politics or, or whatever. I mean, it's always been that just in, that inherent darkness, I think in mankind, that's kind of, that kind of permeates our world, you know, then and today. And it's very evident today. You see a lot of craziness and unrest and instability around the world, you know, and I think, you know, again, like I said in, in the last interview, it's, it, you know, history is very cyclical and you see these cycles repeat, you know, every couple of generations. So we seem to be in that pre-World War One uh, mode right now where you see there's a lot of instability with economies and you see, you know, geopolitically a lot of craziness happening as it was back then. So, you know, these are cycles and I know it's just a dark time we, we may be entering. We have entered since 9-11. I shouldn't say we are entering. We have entered. 9-11 was kind of like, I think, that... Uh, that catalyst, you know, for where we have, uh, you know, ventured since and where we are now. So, and again, these are, these are just my observations, my opinions, you know, not everybody agrees with me, of course, and I don't expect everybody to agree with me, but that's just my, my cynical view of the world. <laughs> so, hey, no, I mean, but you know what it is? It's a great, you know, when you're a songwriter, it's a great outlet to express those things. Cause if you walked around all day long, having those conversations, with everybody, you knew, they'd either kill you or lock you up one or the other. And it's a great way of getting the darker part of you out. You know, and let people realize what's happening. Yeah, a lot of times, you know, a lot of that festers inside you. So this is a very positive outlet, you know, for us to kind of get that out there. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, and I try not to have these deep conversations with 
anybody, you know, I have a, a select circle of people that we get into it. And, you know, we don't always agree, but we can agree to disagree on a lot of things. But on most things, we're all kind of on the same page. I think, you know, uh, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? And it's just how I see things. And I, I think a lot of people uh, share the same, uh, you know, uh, opinions, you know? Yeah. Well, like you just said, agreeing to disagree is the most important thing in the world. And that's something that's completely gone out the door since Trump became president. Nobody agrees to disagree on anything anymore. with everybody you know I, I respect everybody's opinions and if they can articulate uh, an argument to, to back that that opinion I'm, I'm fine with it you know I mean I'm not uh, I'm not stuck on stupid you know I'll always uh, entertain other opinions and I, and I'm, I'm always into learning or seeing things in a, from a fresh perspective so it's not like we're very you know just you know uh, you know entrenched in our in our beliefs you know no I'm, I'm open to other opinions and other uh, points of view of course but uh you know, but it's, it's it is very cool. You know, and sometimes I'll actually have talks like this with, with our fans. You know, sometimes fans will come up to us and say, "Hey, man, I really love you know what you wrote. You know what your lyrics were you know were about on Kingdom of Conspiracy." And you know, so it is something that resonates with the fans, especially the younger fans, because I think you know this this world that we're in now is is, is new to a lot of the, the younger fans. You know, they haven't really experienced. They came from a very positive time. Yeah. They're thrown into this, like, you know, this melee. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like, it's, it, it does resonate with, with people. And, and, hey, man, if it, if it, if it could, you know, touch somebody in, 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 in a profound way, that's, that's, that's awesome. You know, make them think. That's true. You know, you're talking about the younger fans. I mean, fans like yourself that have been around since the 80s and people like myself that have followed you guys all these years, we're like little diehard fans. We buy every record that comes out. We may not go to the shows as often as we used to because we're getting hold of a lot of shit gets in the way. But you got the younger fans who are just the opposite. They'll show up at all those shows and support, but they don't like to buy anything because they feel they're entitled to everything for free today. And it's a, it's a shame that that's what it's come down to with them. But how does a band like yourself try to kind of like appease both, you know, both crowds? Because you do want that younger crowd supporting you, but you don't want to lose all the crowd either. And you're not going to change your writing style. It's more, I guess, a business aspect. Sure. I mean, you know, listen, record sales have never, um, you know, uh, been you know, been the primary, you know, uh, moving force in our career, you know what I'm saying? Because our record sales are not, you know, anything to, to brag about, you know what I'm saying? So, and they've declined, obviously, because of the the, uh, the, the digital age, you know, so it is what it is. So that's, it's, it's neither here nor there. When we get out there and we're touring, that's when it counts. That's when you want to connect with the fans, you know. So if the fans come out and they support us in live sense, that's that's kind of that's very important, you know. And if and if they if we if we touch that nerve with them live and they're inclined to maybe check out the CD or buy the CD, that's great. You know what I'm saying? So it is unfortunate. I agree because I'm I'm with you. I'm old school. I'm 47. So I you know I still I have never downloaded a CD. I've never digitally downloaded anything. I still buy a physical product like yourself. I still collect vinyl, you know, I'm all about the physical product, the CDs, the vinyl, I see cassettes are making their way back now, so it's kind of cool to see that, and it, it's also cool because I think a lot of the younger the younger generation of kids are, are really into vinyl now, so who would have thought? <laughs> I know, and, and you can't download the vinyl, so that's always a good thing, you gotta buy it, and put it on a record player and play it, that's the only way to do it. Absolutely, you can't smell it either, you <laughs> Yep. <laughs> there were a lot of there were a lot of smells wafted around the house back then, so that was just one of them. 
Uh, but, you know, I mean, today, I mean, how do you feel the death metal scene is today? I mean, when you think back to the 80s, it was sort of a small boys club, not a lot of bands, you know. And today it's like probably one of the most, I think, loyal of all the genres of metal. Uh, and now, uh, that uh, assessment, because it was, it was the boys club back then. It was very small, very tight knit. And, you know, like I said, pre-internet, you really had to work at, you know, uh, seeking out bands. You know, it was only through uh, the black and white, you know, uh, you know, fan-made fanzines. It was through tape traders and just word of mouth. So, you know, it was about really sitting down and writing a letter to a band and waiting a month for that demo tape to come back. So, yeah, <laughs> you really had to work hard. And it was a very small scene. Everybody knew each other. But, you know, we didn't know back then that we were kind of like, you know, at the beginning stages of this this movement, you know, that has really kind of just exploded over the last 30 years. So now... Uh, it's definitely probably probably at the strongest point I've ever seen it. I mean, it's uh, it's really cool. It's very encouraging, and it, it, it is a it is a force in the world. And music has always been a force in the world, it's specifically uh, extreme metal. Extreme metal has been a uh, such a unifying force, I think, in, in a world of so many divisive forces, you know, and I always say that, and I really, truly believe that, because when we tour and we play, you know, you know, clubs all around the globe, whether it's in Eastern Europe, Europe, Scandinavia, South America, or wherever it may be, you know, there is that, um, there's that like-mindedness of all the people who are there collectively, you know, they're all there for one purpose, and that is to enjoy this extreme form of music that has kind of touched them on a certain level and has kind of, you know, struck a chord within them. And, uh, yeah, that's the power of this music, you know, and, uh, you know, without getting, you know, corny about it, it, it is true. And I, I see it every time we tour and it's really, it's a really awesome to be part of that, you know? Yeah. It's amazing. You know, when you think back when we were kids, I mean, this, this style of music didn't exist. I mean, we had Black Sabbath and then we always, I, I speak it for myself. I always look for the next hardest and heaviest thing. It was, you know, it was Kiss, then Priest, then Maiden, then Motorhead and Venom and, you know, every, that's the way we did it. Is that what made you want to get into the style of music that you were writing? Was it like nothing before you? Was that hard or heavy or really just, you know, you could dig into it? Absolutely. And, you know, the progression you just laid out was my personal progression, too. You know, all the same bands, you know. from I, You know, I was a classic rock guy in the beginning, so I like, you know, Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin and Queen and all that earlier, you know, stuff. And then, you know, from there, it was like you said, it was like, you know, the Black Sabbaths and like Judas Priest and Iron Maiden. I was a huge Maidenhead. Steve Harris was the, was the man who inspired me and really got me into playing bass. Him. It was him. You know, it was Iron Maiden, you know. So, and then from there, like you said, it was the Motorheads, the Venoms, and then the earlier, like heavier thrash stuff, like the early Metallica and Anthrax and SOD and Nuclear Assault. And then from there, it was that progression into the darker, like the German thrash stuff that took thrash into a darker direction, you know, a more citizen direction. And I mean, like bands like Early Creator, Endless Plane, yeah. Endless Plane, Pleasure of the Kill, Flag of Hate, Destruction, Sense of Death, Infernal Overkill, you know, Early Sodom. I mean, all those bands were taking this the thrash scene into a darker direction. And from there, of course, you know, we had possessed seven churches, and that was it, game over for us. That was where we were like, yes. That's it, man. That's kind of, that's the direction we want to go. And then from there, it was like bands like Early Sepultura, you know, like Bestial Devastation, Morbid Division, Schizophrenia, and all the earlier bands in, in, in our scene, you know, like Early Death, Early Morbid Angel, you know, all that stuff. And that was, it was that 
constant search for heavier and darker and more aggressive styles of music that kind of, I guess, launched our, us. <laughs> yeah. You know, when, when you when you talk about that, you know, it's like when you tell people, you know, where, where did heavy metal come from? Everybody will point to Black Sabbath. They'll say that's where it started. That's where, you know, it, it evolved from. When you talk about death metal, you said possessed, you know, and I'm like, there was always those two fractures back then. I said it was possessed or it was death or pre-death, you know, mantis, pre-death, because they're both on you know, California, Florida. They both came out about the same time. And you just said possessed. Who do you kind of point it to as the, the band that really made it a genre, made it to something that other bands are going to emulate and play one day. Would you say it was possessed? I would say Seven Churches single-handedly, you know, kind of, you know, uh, recruited us. I mean, you know, uh, when that album came out, and I remember at the time, that album was compared to Slayer. You know, they were they were like, I remember reading reviews back in the day where they were kind of knocked as being a Slayer ripoff, and I never saw it at all. I was like, these these are completely different bands, and I love Slayer, you know. Hellawaits, you know, Haunting the Chapel, Show of Mercy, those earlier, the early, and Rain and Blood, of course, was the pinnacle for me. I mean, but I didn't see any similarity. Possess was just raw and dirty, had a totally different vibe vocally and, and everything else, you know. Um, so Possess, I think, was that band. And, you know, regardless of whether, you know, Mantis and, and Death and, and Master were doing it at that time, and Possess was the one... Uh-huh that kind of introduced it on a broader, broader scale. And, and that was the band that we kind of latched onto and we said, Hey, this is dark. This is sinister. This has got very haunting and it's just aggressive. And that's kind of what we wanted to, you know, uh, achieve with our music, you know? So that was kind of like a huge inspiration for us. So in my opinion, and that's always the record that I cite is possessed seven churches, you know, and that's, it's still the one I'll cite, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, there were a lot of bands out even before them that playing, but back then, I mean, a lot of people like to say the Venom was like the original, but Venom was always considered black metal, but I guess back then people would say, you know, oh, death metal, that's where people can't play their instruments, just ground to a microphone because they don't know how to sing. That's how they referred to it back then. And I, I agree with you. I think possessed, and then especially when Chuck started ripping out some of those guitarists, people realized it was a legitimate form of music and how you had to have talent to play it. always looked at as a joke. I mean, we were looked at as a joke. I mean, I remember when we were in our old rehearsal studio, you know, there was so many different bands there, different, you know, there was fresh bands, there was like, you know, glam bands, rock bands, and we were like the black sheep, because, you know, you knew we walked in there and we were rehearsing, they'd walk by, you know, they, we know they were saying shit about us, like, ah, oh, what the fuck are these kids doing, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, was, uh, you know, something that wasn't for everybody, but, you know, it didn't matter. It was something we wanted to do, you know, but, you know, hey, I, I didn't care. We, none of us cared. That's the direction we wanted to go, and it, it was it was really, uh, uh, it, it wasn't a legitimate form of music in a lot of people's eyes, because they, they didn't understand it, and they thought it wasn't just a bunch of noise and nonsense until they were proved, it was proved differently until you had, like you said, even Possessed. I mean, the, the level of playing on Possessed for the time was phenomenal. I mean, the guitar work of, of uh, Toreo and Lalande was amazing. It was just sick guitar players, you know? Some of the arrangements, even even the stuff that Mike Seuss, uh, the drummer, was playing uh, was uh, very unique for the time, you know what I'm saying? You know, sure, you can look at it now in retrospect and say yeah well it was this or that you could critique anything you know in a, in a negative way but i think for the time it was very uh it was very forward uh you know it, it, they were kind of visionaries you know and they kind yeah of, i think 
set the template for bands like ourselves. I agree. You know, I, I read an interview you did years and years ago where you said this really isn't a career for us. You know, we have to maintain, you know, our jobs and everything else. And, you know, I mean, when you, when you look at the output that you guys have and the tours that you go on, you would never think so. But it is kind of cool in a way where you're not in everybody's face 24-7 like a lot of other bands have to be. I think it kind of takes the mystique or the, or the mystery or whatever you want to call it out of waiting for that new record to come out or for that band to come to town. Because, like, well, Megadeth was here in January. They'll be back in March. They'll be back in April. They'll be back in July. Where you guys, it's an event, and you want to go out because you might not get them until next year or a year later. make very clear because I think people's perceptions of what we do are, are completely off base. Now, no, granted, sure, there are some bands who are able to make a living off of this, and man, more power to them, man. I, I've always, we've always, uh, you know, hoped to have reached that point, you know, but, you know, we're still not there. I mean, we don't lose money anymore. I mean, it took us about 15 years before we could actually come home from a tour and not owe money. So, yeah, it hasn't been an easy road. We all... We all worked full-time jobs. Uh, I was a truck driver in Manhattan for 13 years. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I did. So oh, that, was, oh. that was an absolute nightmare because I know you know Manhattan. Hell yeah. So yeah, I recently quit my job in May because we had such a crazy summer with so much going on. We were away like for about a couple months. And my boss, you know, my boss has been very gracious over the years. And uh, I mean, I, I really couldn't have asked for a better uh, a better employer. You know, he's 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 been awesome with me. But I knew there was a limit as to how far I could push. So when I when I understood that our schedule from May forward was just going to be just crazy, and I wasn't going to be there. Um, I, I had to step out. I told him, I said, listen, I, I, you know, I have to step out because there's no way you're going to be able to, to uh, kind of work this without me, you know, in this amount of time without getting a replacement for me. So, and he was, you know, he understood. I mean, I'm, I'm very tight with my boss still to, today. I just, you know, I just was talking to him the other night. So, uh, so yeah, unfortunately I had to leave. So, uh, you know, I've, you know, I, I've, I've done other things in my life to kind of set, set me up. So when I got to this point, I'd have a little bit of a cushion. So I'm not in, in dire straits yet, but you know, you know, I'll be looking for something without a doubt. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. Well, 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 driving a truck in my hand for all those years, I could definitely see where the anger and the aggression comes from in some of these lyrics. I mean, okay. <laughs> that'll do it alone. <laughs> Where I was just, just you know, uh, just red, <laughs> red with rage, <laughs> just, just coming up with all sorts of ideas and you know, inspiration. So yeah, you, you, you were absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, so glad. Right, you guys are hitting the road in a couple of weeks. That's going to be great. Uh, and you're out for quite a while. What do you have? About five or six weeks you're out for? Uh, yeah, it's about four, a little over four weeks. We're, we're going out with uh, Max and Igor, you know, of uh, early Sepultura Man, which is such an honor for us on the return to the roots tour they're going to do the whole roots album so for us to be part of that is is awesome because you know we've always been very open about our influences and early sepultura like i mentioned earlier was a huge inspiration for us and you know one of those bands that kind of you know pointed us in that direction you know what i'm saying and they were just had a different approach they were very savage and very raw and aggressive back in those earlier days, and that's the kind of stuff that we we really like latched onto, you know. And uh, the South American scene in general always uh, 
was about that just raw and savageness, you know, even early Sarcophago, you know, back then, you know, those are the two bands and even moving forward, you know, Crazy and is another band that, you know, we're, you know, we absolutely love and we're good friends with. So, you know, the South American scene has always had a huge influence on, on, I think the direction of extreme metal. So, uh, so it's, 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 a, it's an absolute honor for us to be on this tour and it's actually, um, uh, Something we're very, very much looking forward to with, uh, with uh, the, those guys and uh, Full of Hell. So it's going to be really cool. And then we're going to go to Europe, I think, in May, in April with Vader. And uh, we're good friends with those guys. And then we'll hopefully uh, repeat the cycle at the end of the year. So we'll be busy this year. Oh, that's great. Yeah, you know, you were saying, you're Max Aguirre doing the Roots album right now. I mean, those two guys have had success with, you know, a Cavalera Conspiracy, Killer Be Kill, Soulfly. But I got a feeling that after this tour, there's going to be two versions of Simple Tour going back out there again because this one over is so big. I got a feeling they're gonna it's, it's going to happen. Oh, I would love to hear Beastial Devastation, all that stuff from back in the early days. Hopefully, it'll happen. Well, keep getting in the rear when you're on tour with them. You know, every time they keep throwing it at them, you know, you know, maybe go back to some of that morbid visions. Keep like, you know, just poking at them. That's all. <laughs> it's funny because I've had Max on the show a few times, and it was like, don't talk a lot about Sepultura. Don't talk about Sepultura. Then when you come on, that's all they want to talk about. So, <laughs> so I was like, okay. So I got a feeling it's going to happen. Um, I can't wait. What's the closest show in the area that you got uh, on the tour? We're going to play the Gramercy in, uh, in New York City. Uh, I think that's on the 21st, I think, well, of February. Well, you know, I'll be there. Cool, cool. Yeah, it's always the Gramercy. It is. It was better when the hot dog joint was open across the street, not a building condominium, so you got to walk a little further to get something to eat. But. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. Hey, Rose, I'm not going to keep you, man. I know you're doing a whole bunch of these things today, and I, and I do appreciate it. And uh, I will see you guys when you get here. Atonement, man. What a killer album you guys put out. Nuclear Blast once again. What is it, the 24th of hits? I think so, yeah, 24th. Oh, man, the best of luck with everything, guys. I'll see you on the road. Oh, thank you so much, Mike. An absolute pleasure, man. Thank you. You too. Take care, buddy.
I couldn't get anything to play off the new Emolition record. For some reason, I was getting an error code on all those things. I forgot all about that part. <laughs> Forgive me. Like, I couldn't get anything to play. I was getting an error code on all the MP3s. So we'll get something off that record on next week. So I kind of filled it in with a little Liege Lord and speed of sound. All right. Nick Giannakis from Wretch will be calling in. In about 15 minutes or so, we'll get on some more music between now and then. Uh, there's a new Skyclad record coming out. I tried for years to get into this band. I just couldn't do it. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the folk metal thing. You know, but it has Steve Ramsey and Graham English from Satan in it. So I thought, you know, maybe that would kind of make it work out for me, but it didn't. But if you're a fan of that style of music, and, you know, uh, those two guys are great musicians. Uh, they have a brand new record coming out. So uh, stick around. Keep your eye out for it. Let me see what I can do for you right now. I don't know if I uploaded anything new this week. I have quite a few things, but, you know, uh, most of those bands are going to be on the show in the next couple of weeks. So I kind of want to wait till they're on. Uh, to kind of debut something from them. So how about we jump into some realm with Root of Evil?
Man, from way back in the day, 1980, that was Speed Queen with Lucifer's Daughter. Great band. That was the only album the band put out, and they kind of faded away right afterwards. I believe we have uh, Nick on the line. Let me uh, get him connected here. Nick, Are you there, Mike? Can you, yeah, can you hear me, Nick? My, yes, I can, Mike. What's happening, brother? Hey, it's great talking with you today. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Hey, anytime. Listen, I'm a big fan going way back in the day, so I'm thrilled that, you know, all these years later, you're still putting out records and good records on top of that. The new record, The Hunter's out right now. I mean, I love that you got Juan on vocals. I mean, he just brings a whole new element to the band. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely working for us. Um, you know, we, uh, we we actually went in the studio to start the recording of The Hunt with Ron, our, our, our vocalist from the Warriors album. And uh, he was having uh, just some difficulty doing some stuff, um, and he quickly realized it just wasn't working for him anymore. I don't know if uh, he had just, you know, rock hit the wall or what, but uh, he kind of stepped down, and it was a mutual thing, you know, no, no hard feelings and nothing. He just said, you know, I don't think I can do this anymore. So uh, I talked to Juan. He seemed into it, and we just started recording, and there you go. There it is. Yeah, and it sounds great. I mean, I mean, the band has had a couple of singers over the years. If you go back to the demo days, uh, do you think it kind of affected or changed the sound or the style of the band with a different frontman, you know, each time? Even though you had, like, Colin in the band for the longest time. I mean, he was, like, the main voice of the band in the early days. But do you think it affected it as the band moved along? Or do you feel like when you came back, you know, like, over 10 years ago, uh, that it didn't matter anymore? Um, I don't know. I know my... I don't know if my writing's changed a little bit. I've leaned more towards the melodic stuff. I, I write most of the, the music, and uh, I noticed that I haven't changed too much as far you know, it's still metal, but I know I've, I've leaned more towards, like, I don't know, old Halloween, um, uh, maybe Stradivarius stuff a little bit. Um, and that tends to go well with Juan's type of vocals, um, so it kind of works really well, especially on the hunt. Uh, that's kind of where we're at now, and it, it, it's working well together, like with him. So it is what it is, you know. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, you know, the band goes back really to like you know around eighty two, eighty three, maybe uh, when you were called MX before you even wretched at, at the time. And you know, throughout right. the years, you put out a, a lot of great demo tapes. Uh, was it just not happening back then for like an album deal? Was it something in the works, or did it just never materialize during that decade? No, no, nothing really happened. We were a part of the Cleveland scene. Um, you know, I, I got in the band and right when they switched over to Wretch um, in 85. Uh, right, I just graduated from high school, actually. It's kind of weird, you know. First real band I jumped into, and I've been in there since. Um, but we were part of the Cleveland scene uh, along with Purgatory Breaker, Shock Paris, all those guys back then. And um, we were part of Auburn Records, but we never really – got our turn to put out an album back then. Um, and it, it, it was kind of frustrating because we thought we had some good material and, uh, you know, we put out some demo stuff and that was about it. We just never got the chance to put uh, a full length album out. And by the time we got to that point, everything was falling apart and uh, we, we changed singers for a while. We got this guy named Jimmy Williams, which, uh, was definitely not uh, as powerful as, as Colin was, and uh, it just kind of spelled the end of the band for a little while there in the 90s. We just, you know, dropped out of sight for about 10 years, really. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do remember hearing that the band relocated to California at one point in time. Did that actually happen? Yeah, yeah, and that was with Jimmy Williams. Um, he was on vocals to L.A. We did that uh, oh, maybe not even a year. We didn't even last. Definitely not what we were set up to be out there. You know, we were a metal band, and that was a, a glam band type of setup out there. But uh, I, I don't know what took us out there. I'm not sure exactly what that whole thing was about. But uh, yeah. we went there, we did it, and uh, and that was really the final nail in the coffin at that time. You know, we, we, we just totally disbanded. And uh, a couple of the guys stayed out there. Jimmy and the one guitar player, Brian, stayed out there and formed a different band and played out there for I don't know how long. I moved back here to Ohio and was in a bunch of different bands through the 90s, and then, uh, you know, we got back together and Wrench in the early 2000s. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you talk about Cleveland, especially back in the 80s. To me, it was an amazing scene, at least the amount of bands that came from that area. I mean, there were such top-notch bands out of that, that area. But it was, you know, it was a time before pre-internet and before people could know who you are by clicking a button on the computer. You kind of have to, had to make your bones. So was that like the whole point of going to California because you figured it was more musical-oriented? I mean, it was either California or New York at the time. Yeah, I think that's exactly why we did it. But, um, see, I'm with you. I actually have relatives all through New York and Brooklyn, Long Island, and Connecticut, and it probably would have been a smarter move for us to go there, um, especially with the type of metal we were doing. Um, I think we would have fit in a lot better out there. And also it would have been a lot closer for us, you know, for any reasons, just, you know, if we were uh, ran out of money or just needed to run home, it's only a seven-hour drive from here to New York. Um, I think that would have been a smarter move for us. Um, I don't know why we chose to go out there. Like I said, it pretty much killed us pretty quick, too, you know. Yeah. Well, like you said you did keep busy. I mean, during the, I mean, it was like I said, like a good 10-year gap in between, you know, the band getting back together from breaking up. But you did keep busy doing it. You had Twist of Fate you were in for, for quite a bit of time in the 90s, right? You are correct. I can't believe you actually dug that up. That's funny. Um, yeah, it was more of a uh, progressive metal. Um, at the time, I was uh, really into, like, Fate's Warning and uh, Dream Theaters type of stuff, uh, maybe a little less shreddy, more of the moody uh, Fate's Warning stuff. And uh, it, was, it was a lot like that. Um, and we got a pretty good response around here with it. And, uh, you know, we put out uh, a self-released album, I think just one, and that was it. And, uh, you know, we were around for a little while, and that was about it for that, too. Yeah. I, I actually still have that record. Uh, Season of Change, Only When It Rains, Second Look. A lot of great songs <laughs> on that record. Yeah, I'm yeah, you, I can't believe you have that. That's hilarious. Oh, yeah. Man, that's great. You know what? You know, because if I remember, most of the guys that were in that band, or a few of them, were guys that played with Rip Rowans when they were doing that the Judas Priest uh, cover band, the tribute band. Yeah, I actually did that for about a year or two with him also. When uh, I was uh, downtime doing not in any original stuff, um, I ended up playing with them for at least a year, year and a half, if not longer. Um, but Tim and, and Tim, the bass, uh, Tim, uh, Dennis, the bass player, and Jeff, the drummer, um, were both in that for a long time with Tim. Yeah. That that was some good stuff. I mean, a lot of people haven't heard of it. They, you know, probably never got around to even knew about it because that was kind of a rough time in the nineties. A lot of people kind of falling out with the metal scene and they want the different things and a lot of stuff kind of got lost in the fray back then. Yeah, it was a, it was a struggle. I know we were, uh, you know, just struggling to put our own stuff out and, and nobody really, you know, the metal thing was even, you know, buried more than it is now and 
it was a, it was a real struggle to get people to come out and see us, and, and uh, you know, no labels were interested in us whatsoever. Like I said, we put the thing out on our own, and you know, we wrote it for a while until we just didn't do it anymore. Yeah. And like I said, it's like, you know, Retch kind of broke up in the early 90s. Metal was still, like, you know, thriving back then. It didn't really fall apart until, like, a year or two later. You think that the band would have been a casualty of the change of scene if you were still active and playing at that time? Um, you know what? I don't know. We were uh, pretty young guys. Um, Colin um, was a strong-headed guy at the time, man. He, he was a tough guy to deal with at the, back then. And I don't think we would have lasted much longer if we would have stuck around with him anyway, to be quite honest. We would have either tried to get another singer or just fell apart either way. Um, you know, when we got back together in, in the 2000s, and uh, he had changed a lot. It's a lot easier to work with him. And he, he had, uh, it was just a more, more easier situation all the way around with everybody. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think we probably would have fell apart either way. Yeah. Well, when you did come back in 2003, like I said, there was a good 10-plus year gap in between, you know, the last time you guys were active and now. I mean, did it come about because you saw people, like, interested in the band? Because, you know, all of a sudden Facebook comes out in MySpace and people are talking about these old bands that they used to like. Or did you just feel like it was time to maybe try it over again and give it a second go-around? Well, it was weird. Actually, what happened was Bill Peters uh, from Auburn Records um, contacted me. I was actually in and out of uh, the band called Breaker at the time, fill, uh, filling in uh, for them. And uh, he had mentioned to me that he was thinking about putting out uh, another compilation album, a Heavy Artillery 2. And he thought it'd be cool if I could try to get a hold of Colin and see if we could, you know, we're willing, if he was willing to get back together and do one song for the compilation disc. Well, I contacted him. He was like, yeah, you know, why not? It'd be cool. So it was me, Colin, Jeff, the drummer, and Dennis, the bass player, and we went in and recorded Eyes of Fate, um, one of our most popular songs from back in the day, and uh, the recording session went so well, and Bill was there while we were doing it, that he goes, you know what, forget this compilation thing, we're going to do a reg disc, and that's how that whole thing came about. That's you know, I forgot that you were in break for a while, did you do any recording with them? I did, um, geez, let me see if I can remember what I did. I know I'm on, there's an Accept um, tribute album that I'm on with them. Did the song Breaker, actually. Um, and I played on that with them. And I think I played, they released um, something else that I think I played on a, a couple songs for them on that also. And I, geez, I can't even remember. I don't even think I have a copy of it. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, they were a great band. I remember from back in the 80s, you know, when Get Tough came out. And another band on Auburn Records. I mean, did every band that ever came out of Cleveland get signed to Auburn Records? Because it's like every band was on that label. Well, yeah. I mean, it was a local label. So, and Bill was a great guy. And he's still around. You know, he's still trying to do stuff for the scene. And he, he every once in a while, puts something out on Auburn Records. Um, you know, and, and the guy's such a good guy. He's done such a great thing for metal here in Cleveland. Um, you know, in fact, I don't think the scene would be anything without him, to be quite honest. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, everybody that wanted to be a metal band, original metal band, um, the goal around here was to try and get on Auburn Records because he was really the only one around here that, to be quite honest, gave a damn about the stuff, you know, and he was the only one that was giving it a push. So, um you know, it, it was nice to be associated with that if you could be. 
Yeah. Was well, that one of the toughest things about being in a band in the 80s, just starting out, is trying to get help from people on the outside? Because you could do so much on your own, but you really do need some, you know, somebody to kind of, you know, give you a helping hand, whether it's a record label, a promoter, management, or something. I mean, is it a difficult thing to do it on your own? Oh, yeah, yeah, especially back then because, you know, you know, now with the Internet, you have access around the world to any label that you want, you know, whether they'll listen to you or not is a different thing, but at least you can get your stuff to them. Um, electronically in, in a matter of seconds. Um, back then, you know, you were sending tapes out, and who knows if they ever even got the damn thing, you yeah. know? Um, so you were pounding your head against the wall going, geez, somebody give me a break, you know? Um, so when he was around here doing the stuff that he was doing, um, it helped a lot. A lot, of, a lot of us guys, you know, really appreciated that then and now. You know, he, uh, he helped a lot of us out, you know, even if it was just, you know, a small step, it was still more of a step than we could have done on our own. Yeah. Well, like you were saying before, you know, I, I, you think of all the bands that came out of the, the scene back in the day. Was it a tight scene? Were the bands close? Did, they all work, did you guys all work together, like, you know, to further the scene? Were there enough clubs for you guys to play it back then to keep it active? Because, I mean, there were so many groups that came out of Cleveland. Yeah, actually it was. We And, and we were all pretty good friends, you know. We, we'd... Uh, we do shows together. We'd hang out together uh, before the shows and stuff. You know, um, it was it was a very cool scene, very active scene. There were a lot of clubs back then, but I I noticed towards the end of the '80s, um, it changed a lot. Um, clubs started closing, started falling apart, or changing different members. And by the end of the '80s, the scene had com- completely changed from what it was in the mid '80s when I first got into it. Yeah, how, how is it today? Is, is it a, an active scene? Is it enough to keep you guys busy as far as playing live? No, no. There's only a couple of metal clubs up there. There's there's a couple of real small clubs that I we've never really played at. Um, we try to do opening spots for you know semi nationals to come through at the Cleveland Agora. Like we've opened up for um, Primal Fear a couple times. Last year we opened up for Fates when they came through. Um, you know stuff like that. Um, there's just not enough clubs around to, to constantly play out. So I'm, we probably do, I don't know, two, three shows a year in Cleveland, maybe four. Um, yeah. you know, it just depends on how many shows we can jump onto to open up for somebody that comes through. Um, it, it, it's rough now. We, we, we just don't do it that much. We do travel when we can. Um, you know, and we're getting ready to head over to Europe here in the uh, first of March for three weeks. So, and that seems to be where more of our market is anyway. Every, we, everything we do seems to go over more well over there than it does here for some reason. And I don't know why it just seems, just seems to be the way it is. It seems like in Europe, they never kind of forgot about it. Like here, you know, it, it became trendy and then it disappeared. And over there, they just live and breathe it. They never have stopped. And, you know, you always hear bands, they, they die to go to Europe to play the festivals, to go out for a couple of weeks on the road. Because they, they, you know, the true supporters over there and the true fans of the music. And, you know, I'm glad that you guys are getting over there. I mean, it's only a couple of weeks away when you think about it. Yeah, and you're 100% correct. It's weird. Like when we went over, we played in Athens, Greece um, about three years ago. And uh, we did three shows in Athens. Uh, we did a warm-up show. Then the next day we played at the um, Up the Hammers Festival. And then the next day we played like this small, tiny club. And it was the weirdest thing. You know, we played at this club the third night. And you couldn't move in this place. It was packed probably beyond what a, a fire code would have been. And these people were screaming out names of songs off the CD. 
for us to play. And I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, I, you know, I got to fly halfway around the world for people to know my songs. You know, I play in Cleveland and I can't get a hundred people to show up to a show here. And, you know, I, I, I'm in Greece and I got people there yelling out names of songs and want me to sign CDs. It was, it was really weird. It was great. And it, um, and Germany's the same way. Um, we've had really good luck over there too. So it's, I, I think you're 100% correct. They never stop loving it, and it's it's a, they support it 100%. And that's the, the one big thing over there. You know, they'll come out, they'll come to shows, they'll buy merch, they'll buy your CDs instead of downloading it and ripping it off, and it's 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 pretty cool. It is. And you know what's great about it is that you go there and there's a lot of young kids in the audience that weren't even born or even like people that played the music back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. It kind of gets passed no, down from right. generation to generation. It's like, you know, hey, you know what? I'm a metalhead. My kids are going to be metalheads. It's just they pass it down, and that's the greatest thing. That's what keeps it going over here. You, can figure, you can't even get people that would diehard metalheads to come out on a Wednesday night to see a show no matter where you play in America today. You're right. You're, again, 100%. It's funny. I got, I've got you know, I'm I'm just, I'm a 50 year old guy. I've got two kids, a 27 year old and a 20 year old, and it's funny. I you're right. I go over there and there's kids younger than my kids there showing up to shows, and it's it's mind boggling because you're, you know, we play here and it's a bunch of guys my age coming out to see us. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's funny when you think about it. You go back to the days and say, you know, the U.S., the U.K., they were like strongholds of metal. That's why every band wanted to break or come out of or go to. Then, you, you know, you would never think of Greece as like, you know, a metal haven, especially back then or South America. But today, they're like two of the strongholds, like for metal. Right, yeah. And, you know, like if you watch Iron Maiden videos, you know, most of those live stuff they shoot down in South America, it's usually got 100,000 people showing up to their shows. It's incredible. You know, it's insane. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it really is. Well, well how, how hard is it for a band to string a toy together over in Europe today? I mean, did you guys put this together on your own, or did you hook up with somebody to make it happen? No, actually, I, I think Pure Steel put this together mostly. Um, we're, we're on tour with a band called Split Heaven. They're from South America, actually Mexico, if I'm not mistaken, or somewhere down there. I'm not exactly where, sure from where. Um, the singer's from Seattle. The rest of the guys are down there somewhere. But um, they had set the tour up, and they were looking for another band to tour with them as a co-headlining type thing. And uh, Pure Steel mentioned us to them, so they contacted us, and uh, we just made sure you know all of us could get off work to do it, and it just seemed to fall together. So you know, it's it's going to work out. I, you know, uh, be quite honest, I'm a little nervous. I've never done anything like this uh, that this big of a tour before, um, but. Excited, you know, it should be great. You know, I, I know we're going to get treated well over there. They, they, they love our stuff. And the last time I was in Germany, they, they treated me great. So I, I don't see why it, it should be any different this time. No, that's going to be fantastic. I mean, I guess there is because you talk to a lot of people like, you know, what's the benefit of being on a label today? Because they, they really don't offer anything but distribution, it seems like. But there are some benefits to being on on a label and established label, like it says, because this time they're getting hooked up, you know. Due to Pure Steel Records, so there is some sort of benefit to being signed to a label today, even no matter who they are. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, we wouldn't have been able to do this on our own. There's no way. Um, I don't have enough contacts. Nobody else in the band does. Um, so there's no way I could have set this up. Um, you know, any way, shape, or form. I don't have the people to know to you know contact these clubs or festivals and get on the bill. You know, so they had it all set up. All we had to do was just you know 
agreed to go do it, and you know now we're on it. Um, and and that's the one huge benefit about that. You know, uh, if if you're going in blind, you know you don't have a label backing you up, and you know who knows if they're even going to talk to you because it's still like that. Even you know it's almost the same as it was back in the '80s. Yeah, you can get a hold of these people, but that doesn't mean they're going to answer any of your questions or even acknowledge that you contacted them. Yeah, no, that's very true. Well, Pure Steel was it was it a one record deal? Was this the the one record deal with them, or did you sign a multi album deal? Is there more coming? No, it was a, it was a two record deal, and this is it. We fulfilled the contract with the Hunt. Um, and I know. Uh, we're, yeah, it's it's it, Warriors was the first one. This is the second one, um, and they're also re releasing Warriors on uh, uh, as a as a limited edition vinyl, along with the Hunt is going to come out on vinyl. They're both going to be released March 10th. Um, Warriors is going to have a new cover, and it's also going to have three bonus live tracks on it, and it's going to be a double album. Um, and I think both of them, they're only going to be 200 copies made of each one. So it's a real limited edition thing. So they're really throwing us a lot of support on this um, on this release, and uh, I really appreciate it. You know, They didn't have to go above and beyond like this, and they're really throwing a, a, a ton of support our way and, and with the, the tour and everything so you know kudos to them man I, I i can't ask for a better deal yeah well with the live show are you, are you just going back to the reborn record and playing everything between now and then or are you going to kind of go back deep and dig into some of the old demo cuts uh actually we're going to do three songs off of everything that we've put out uh as far as full length albums goes we're going to do three songs off the reborn album three songs off the warriors album three songs off the hunt album and um, actually one song off the EP that we did uh, called I Will Defy is going to be in the set also. That's going to be great. Like I was saying before, Juan Ricardo, I love him from the Attacks days, and he's got Sunless Sky going right now. Such a great singer. I mean, do you give him free reign to kind of, you know, make the older songs his, or do you do one to kind of like, you yeah, know, do it the way yeah. that done? Oh, oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, he's a different singer than both Colin and Ron. Um you know, he's, he has his own delivery, his own vocal style. Um, he tries to keep them as far as, the, obviously, the phrasing's there, you know, so the song doesn't sound different. But he adds his own nuances to everything he's doing. And the guy's such a great vocalist that, you know, whatever he's going to do, I, you know, I don't you know, do whatever he wants. I don't care, man. The guy's great, man. You know, <laughs> he's not going to disappoint whatever he does. So, you know, that's what I told him. I said, just learn them and then just do, do them however you want to do them, you know. You know, uh, you know you, you, the guy's a great singer, I he can't can't hurt him. Let's put it that way, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Another thing that I love is that you know another great band out of uh, the Cleveland scene, Destructor. You hooked up with those guys a few years back. Is that still going on? Yes. As a matter of fact, it is. And we just did a benefit show a couple of weeks ago. I had a great time doing that. Um, yeah. Those guys, super good guys. I've known them, geez, thirty years, uh, thirty-two years. Uh, I, I've known them since I was, you know, in Wretch, and and they were around the scene before we were there. So I've known them since 1985. Uh, Dave, Matt, great guys. We have a blast playing with them. Me and Tim, you know, he's a bass player for for Wretch and, and Destructor also, and uh, yeah. so we have a great time. We and uh, they're just super good guys, and that stuff's super fun to play. It's just, you know, full bore metal, man. You know, it, it, that stuff just steamrolls you every time you play it. We have a blast. Uh, Back in Bondage, I said it was one of my favorite records uh, last year. What a solid album. Uh, just a powerhouse yeah. of tunes. D- did you get to pick out your own last name when you joined the band? No, because, you know, I, 
I I forgot, you know, when I when I went out and I, I called Dave, you know, when uh, he had, he sent a message out saying, you know, hey, you know, we're looking for a guitar player, and I I gave him a call and said, hey, you know, uh, actually it was uh, that what happened when Colin had left the band, and we, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen with Wretch. You know, I, I was going to try and keep it going. Didn't know if I could. Hadn't found a singer yet. So I was like, well, you know, I've known those guys forever. They're great guys. I love the stuff. Why not jump in there if I can, and it'll keep me busy. And then if Wretch gets back up and running, then I'll just do both. And that's exactly what happened. And uh, so, you know, I went out there and jammed with him a couple times, and it worked, and it was great. So I was like, okay. And he was like, okay, we got to think of a name for you. And I went, well, that's all on you, man. I have no idea how to do this, you know. So he came, <laughs> Dave came up with it. <laughs> yeah. Fits right in. Is it important to be in yeah, multiple bands today to keep active? Because, you know, one band sometimes there's not enough work to keep you going and, and keep you playing. So you need to be in different bands if you want. Do you kind of like have that ability to pick and choose who you want to play with? Is it something different than you're known for? Um, yeah, I mean, I've been lucky enough. I was just, I was jamming with Power Theory for Philadelphia for a while, too. I just had to uh, actually step back from them because it was just, I was just, it was a little too much. It became a little too much. Um, and I, I, I really am bummed out about that. It was another batch of great guys and great songs and really good stuff to play. Um, but logistically, it was becoming a little tight for me, you know, having to play out all up and down the East Coast. And they play a lot, a lot out over there. And leaving every weekend, six-hour drive, seven-hour drive. And, you know, I'm trying to get this wretch thing, you know, the tour set up. And it was becoming a little hectic for me, so I had to step down from it. But a uh, bunch of great guys. But, yeah, I've been lucky enough that, uh, you know, people contact me to help them out with, uh, you know, solo projects. I had a, a couple singer guys that are from around here, um, Greg Wagner, I played on a couple of his solo albums and stuff too. So it's it's cool. I, I, I'm honored that I, you know, guys feel good enough about me to call me and say, hey, you want to help me out with this and that, and I, yeah, I jump at it. I love to play. I, you know, even though I'm a 50 year old guy, I still love to do it. You know. Hell yeah. I mean, is it at the point now where you rather just like pick and choose where you play and when you play? Because like I said, Power Theory do play out a lot, and there's a show here, a show there, and it does get to be a lot of commuting. Like you know the way you have to for like a one show and then head back the next day. So is it better to be able to pick and choose when and where you play where it's more convenient for you than just take any show anywhere? Um, yeah, I think I'm actually getting to that point because it was becoming pretty tough. Um, you know, they were handing me a schedule and I'm looking at it going, man, this is going to be a tough thing for me to do. Um, cause I do still have to work too. Um, and I was taking a lot of time off work, and they're they're pretty cool with me about leaving for, to do band stuff. I'm lucky enough to have a job that these guys are really, you know, oblige me when I need time off. They pretty much give it to me without hassling me. But, you know, I'm taking a three-week chunk off here to go to Europe, and then when I got back, there was a bunch of these power theory shows, and they were all on Fridays. And I would have had to take off a Thursday and a Friday to get out there and get ready for a show. And I'm like, yeah, I, I can't keep doing this. These guys are going to end up firing my ass, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I was like, yeah, hey, guys, you know, this is just, it, it's getting to be, uh, you know, going to cause a problem here for me sooner or later, you know? So I, I was going to have to, so I had to step down. And it sucks because those guys are great guys. And I, I love playing that stuff too. It's fun stuff to play. It's good, very cool metal stuff. And, uh, it just, it just uh, didn't look like it was going to work for him anymore, you know, but yeah, I, I'd say I'm definitely there. I definitely, yeah, you know, I would rather pick and choose a little more 
selectively on when and where I'm going to play, you know. Yeah, it, it, you know what? It happens to all of us as we get old. Like it says, we're all closing in on 50 or over right now. And it's not like we're 19 years old anymore. And we just look for any van to throw a guitar into the back of it, hit the road for as long as it takes to get there with 10 other guys. Now you're like, ah, oh, man, I got to get in that car and drive tonight. You, know, you start thinking twice about it. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but what are you going to do, man? I mean, it, it's great to play. Uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, uh, you know, when you're there and you're playing, it, there's nothing better, you know? Yeah, but, I know. Uh, you gotta, it's the getting you gotta there sometimes. Yourself, that, you know? It's the getting there that makes you think yeah. about it sometimes. That's all fun. Yeah, you're not kidding, you know. You know, yeah, you know. I'm still. Yeah, I gotta pay the bills. You know, losing the job right now wouldn't be the best thing in the world for me. So. Yeah, I know. I, I feel that there are some nights <laughs> when bands invite me to come see shows, and they're not even playing that far from my house. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll be there. And then I'm on the couch eight o'clock at night with a drink with him. Like, oh, I gotta get going. Ten o'clock, eleven o'clock. I'm like, oh man, I feel bad I didn't go. There's just some days you just don't have the motivation as much as you love the music and no. want to support. You just don't have it in you sometimes. It happens, you know. No, I'm like, I what know, did this man. happen? I, I, mean, I remember it's, thirty it's years ago, I wanted out my underwear to go to a show with nothing on my feet. I wouldn't even think about it. Now you're like, oh, I don't know. Yep. It's it's uh, and you're you're 100 percent right, man. I've done it. I've been there. I've done it. You know, I I. Uh, Last time Halloween came through here, it was a work night. It was like a Wednesday night or some shit like that. And I was like, I, mean, I get up at 5 o'clock to go to work every morning. So I'm like, and I live about an hour from Cleveland. So it's an hour yeah. drive off, go to the show, hour drive home, then get up at 5 in the morning and go to work. And I'm like, and I work 10-hour days. I work five tens. So it's like, eh, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to go. You know? Yeah. And I'm a huge <laughs> Halloween fan, and I just bailed on it. You know, I didn't even I didn't even think about it. I got home from work, and my wife goes, hey, are we going to go up to the show? I said, ah, nope. Don't think yeah, so. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, uh, tell you what, if Halloween comes to town this year, Michael Kiska singing again, so you got to kind of get back for that one. Oh, I think, you, you know, you just said my favorite singer of all time, man. Uh, if they come through, I will do whatever it takes to go. And even if they don't yeah. come through Cleveland, the closest place there to me, I will make it because uh, he is my all-time favorite metal singer, man, of all time. He, he is great. I never got to see him back in the early days with Helen because they didn't really get over here back then. So that's one shot I don't want to miss I either. That would be great. Oh, yeah, good. I, I was lucky enough. I got to see him in 80, oh, man, what was it, 86. That Hell on Wheels tour with, uh, what was it, Grim Reaper and somebody else. They were, it was a three, it was a three bill tour. I don't remember who they were on tour with, but I, I went and saw them and they were phenomenal. Yeah, great live band, they really are. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait. Well, hey, look, Nick, I'm not going to keep you. I want to get on a couple of tunes off the new record for people to play. Uh, it's out on Pure Still Records right now, The Hunt. You get you did an amazing job on this record, man. And, you know, have a great time over in Europe. Enjoy yourself for those three weeks. And I know you're going to be playing in front of packed houses over there. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate everything. I thank you for the support. And uh, just let me know when you want me back on, brother. I'll come on anytime you want me to. Hey, you're part of the family now. Anytime you want. All right. I appreciate it, brother. You got it. Take care, buddy. Thanks, Mike. I'll see you. All right. Let's get on something off the brand new retro record, The Hunt. Let's do Straight to Hell.
what a great record they put out. The final stand. If you haven't picked up the new Rex record yet, go ahead and get a copy of it right now. All right, Steve Zimmerman. Everybody remembers him from the days of Fate's Warning. He was with the band throughout the 80s. He has his band Enemy Remains right now. Uh, let's get on a Fate's Warning tune first. Uh, I've been actually trying to get one on for the last couple of weeks. I just haven't been able to get around to it. So we'll do that. I spoke with Steve earlier, so we'll get that interview on. It was already pre-recorded. And uh, then we'll play some Enemy Remains after that. And we'll wrap up tonight's show probably around 8.30 because, hey, it's Sunday night and The Walking Dead is back on. So I got to get to the TV after this. So let's do uh, Misfit for Fate's Warning.
this is Mike. How are you? Hey, how's it going? It's doing great. How about you? I'm okay. All right. It's great talking with you today, man. I have to tell you, nice job on the new record. It, it was a long time coming, but it sounds great. Oh, thank you. It was five years since the last record came out. I know a lot went on in between that time. You were kind of out of the band a little bit. The Fates Warner thing popped up. Uh, but it's a much different sound and album than the first one. Yeah. I take it you want me to elaborate. <laughs> yeah, if you, if, if you like to. <laughs> you don't have to. <laughs> well, originally, uh, when we got together, me and Tommy, uh, we, we didn't want to put out something that was comparable to Fate's Warning. So uh, we concentrated on doing something that was a little more commercial, maybe get some airplay, and uh, that's basically what that album's about. Um, but then we were kind of unhappy, you know, and we wanted to do something a little more progressive. Uh, in this vein that we're doing it, I don't think that it uh, is comparable to Fate's Warning. So uh, I think it's working out well. Uh, the Like I said, uh, I was uh, so afraid of even getting close to sounding like anything that they've done. That's why the first album is so far distant from anything they've done uh, that I, when I was with them. But uh, now I feel as though I can, you know, delve back into some of the progressiveness. And uh, the end result is no faith in humanity. Yeah, and it's a great sounding record. And outside of you and Tommy, it's basically a whole new lineup that you put together last year. Yeah, uh, we were working with some people that uh, I'm not quite sure they were on the same page as us. And, uh, you know, we we worked on uh, the, the the single, No Faith in Humanity. Um, we kind of got it started, and Tommy found uh, Frank, and we kind of, like, did a little demo of it. And uh, actually, I'll say that uh, the finished result on the album is exactly what he did on the demo. So we were quite impressed with uh, what he brought to the band. So uh, after we did that song, we kind of, again, went on hold so I can practice with uh, the original members of Fates to do the uh, 30th anniversary reunion. And uh, as soon as I got back, literally, like a few hours after I got back from Atlanta, you know, the phone call started, and uh, we got together and started really trudging forth to do uh, more songs to get an album out. Um, and there it is. Well, it sounds like it kind of came together a lot quicker than people think, because there was such a gap in between. You would think you were working on it, but it seems it all happened within the last year. Oh, absolutely, yes. Um, like I said, we had just that one song that we started, like, last fall, um, and at that time we weren't really sure of the direction. We knew we wanted to start doing some more progressive stuff. And so that was the writing for no faith, the song. And, uh, after we heard Frank's vocals, we were like, yeah, this is the direction. So that's yeah. what we did. And, uh, and we had to get all new members because, some of the guys didn't like it. Some of the other guys were in like three or four bands and they didn't really have the time. And, you know, that's, we just said, you know what, we'll clean house, get all new members, get a fresh thing going. And we did. And that's what we got. 
Yeah. You think that's the hardest part about being in a band today? Not that, you know, the music industry has changed over the last 25 years. Is it members? Is it keeping members in the band or having or finding four or five guys that have the same vision, the same direction and want to take the band in the same way year after year? Absolutely. I mean, everyone's got their own opinion and their own vision. Uh, and it is difficult to find, you know, four or five guys that have that same vision that you can work together with uh, and accomplish what you all have in mind as goals. So, yeah, it was difficult, but I think we got something going now. So, Yeah. Well, I mean, from day one, you and Tommy were the bread and butter of this band. You put it together. It was your thing. It was your project. So when other members come in, they kind of have to respect that. I say, you know what? You know, we're playing in their game right now, so we kind of have to go along with what they want because they're the vision of the band. It doesn't work that way, I guess, sometimes. Well, yeah, I'm not quite sure that's what they were thinking, but uh, they were they seemed to be on board, so that's what we did, and we worked with them, and it, things just started to fall into place. Yeah. Well, where do you go now? I mean, are you going to try to take the band out on the road this year as much as you can? Absolutely. I mean, we're definitely going to try to support the album uh, as best as we can, um, doing as many shows in, many, in as many areas as possible. That's going to be great. You know, Steve, when I heard about, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, the Fates Warner reunion and it was going to get back together, being such a fan, going back to the Misfit days when I was a demo tape trader as a kid, I, I was thrilled that this was going to happen. But as a member of the band, I mean, was it all Was it all it was cracked up to be? Was it Roses and everything? Because when you think about it, they've gone on for years if you and other members left the band. There's all other members that have to get put aside for you guys to reunite. Uh, was there a lot of friction or stuff that went on behind the scenes with other members of the band that are in the newer version of it? Um, I'm not quite sure about that. I mean, I know um, after the current Fates had done the... Well, actually, no. I mean, he, Jim had his current Fates going on, and then they went and did a reunion for Parallels. And uh, so then I mentioned to Jim, I said, how about let's do something for Guardian or No Exit? And um, at the time, he didn't think uh, all the members would comply. But then, you know, like a year later, he gave me a ring, and he said, I got an idea. And I knew right away <laughs> what his idea was. And, uh, no, everybody everybody was totally on board with it. And it was it was a great thing to see everybody. And it just kind of, at first, it kind of felt weird being back with the same early members like that, you know. But it was a great thing, and um, I totally uh, appreciate and love the idea that uh, it it happened. It, it went over well, especially for the diehard, all the fans that remember the band and saw you guys live, you know, back in the 80s. A lot of the newer fans that didn't get to see that lineup went crazy for it. Was there talk about continuing this or making it go on long, or was it just from the beginning, we're going to do this one tour and, you know, and wrap it up? Well, um, no, there's, there's been talk. Uh, I don't know if there's going to be anything more. Uh, I don't want to shut the door on it because I'm open to it. Um, I just don't know if it's in the cards right now. Um, but I'm hoping it'd be a good thing, you know? I mean, there's a lot of people that didn't get to see it. That That's true. Yeah, because he didn't get all over the place. So it would be amazing to have that happen. But right now we do have Enemy Remains, which is a really cool thing. And No Faith in Humanity is such a solid record. I mean, when you think about it, the band kind of formed back in 2004, 2005. And we only had the two releases. Was there a reason why it was so slow in getting out material over the years? Uh, well, like I mentioned earlier, uh, some of these other members, um, they, 
I'm not quite sure if they were on the same page as us. They, two or three of them were in other bands as well, and I feel as though they didn't really have the time to put in to accomplish what uh, me and Tommy wanted. And uh, we struggled, and finally we said, that's it. You know, it's not going to happen unless we clean house. So that's what we did, and uh, we found members that were kind of like on the same page as us, and as soon as they heard the music, they definitely jumped right in. So, yeah. um, It it seems to sort of be like a fact of life today that members have to play multiple bands if they want to, you know, be active and, and keep playing and performing because sometimes there's just not enough work out there for one band. I mean, do you find that's becoming more and more commonplace now? Yes and no. I mean, I do see it a lot with a lot of bands, you know, and me, myself, I, I'm not into it. You know, I mean, eventually if, uh, you know, I got a couple albums under my belt and doing some touring, if I feel as though I want to do a side project, that's one thing. But right off the cuff, when I get together with a bunch of guys, you know, if I, I can't deal with the fact that they're in two or three bands because if you got a goal, you need to put in 200%. And if you're in another band, it's impossible. That's true. I, I mean, if you think about it, you know, Fates Warner was such an originator of the sound. I mean, back then it was sort of unheard of what you guys were doing. And then it took off years later when Dream Theater, a lot of other bands came around. Do you think that Fates Warner really gets the credit they deserve for the sound that you guys created? Um, I'll answer that with a yes and no as well. Uh, yes, uh, of course, 30 years later, <laughs> uh, I think we're getting some uh, recognition well-deserved. But at the time, no, you know, um, you know, Dream Theater came out and right away, you know, they had to seem, seem to have more commercial success than uh, Fate's Warning. And um, I'm not quite sure what the deal was with uh there were so many people that were into Fate's Warning, I just didn't understand why it wasn't bigger than it was. But over the years, again, 30 years later, it seems like the fan base and everything about it has just grown tremendously. So at first, no, but it seems like it's coming in now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what's coming up next, Enemy Range? You guys have any shows coming up immediately that you want to let people know about? Uh, Wednesday night, tomorrow night at the Webster in Hartford, we'll be uh, opening for Nonpoint. That's going to be a great show. Are you looking to hook up on some sort of tour this year? You just uh, is that the point where you kind of like want to do one-off shows here and there? No, I'd love to do uh, some type of touring. You know, whether it be a little bit with this band, a little bit with that band, but uh, constantly doing to promote and uh, playing. I love playing live, so. Wherever we can play, you know, that's what I want to do. And uh, we're trying to work things out now, so that's that's the way it's going to go. Uh, Steve, I'm not going to keep you. I got to tell you, no faith in humanity, great record. Uh, you guys put this out on your own. I mean, going to your website, is that the best place to pick up a copy of it? Yeah. If you go to the website, you can get links to CD Baby, uh, Amazon, uh, various other uh outlets that will uh, sell the record. So uh, even some sites will let you hear bits and pieces of it so you can get a taste of it before you purchase it. But uh, so far, it's been great response. You know, everybody that hears it loves it. So um, I have seen a few reviews that uh, leave a little bit left to be desired. But uh, that's par for the course, right? You know, I mean, 
that's how it happens. So, absolutely, you can't make everybody happy, but as long as you make the bulk of them happy, and I think you guys did it with this record. And man, the best of luck with this album and the band for this year. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate the call, and uh, my pleasure. You take care. You take take care too. (laughs) Goodbye. Okay. Bye bye.
All right, I want to thank all of our guests tonight. Steve Zimmerman from Enemy Remains. Nick Giannakis from Wretch. And Ross Stone from Emulation. Next week, we got a great show, boy. We're going old school next week. Back to the early 80s. We have Vincent Paul from Matilleron and Michael Myers from Destroyer. Don't forget to tune in live next Sunday night at 6 o'clock. I can't believe we're almost practically done with the month of February already. I mean, it is a short month, but still, it went by really, really quick. All right, we're going to close things out here tonight with one more tune, and that'll be it for another seven days. I will battle a little Rex Begonia with victims. Take care, everybody. Good night. I will see you next week.
Dee Dee Perks members enjoy a Dunkin' Donuts specially crafted medium latte or macchiato for $1.99 when using an Enroll Dee Dee card. Try the new fudge brownie or vanilla cupcake flavor. Enroll in Dee Dee Perks today and get your $1.99 medium latte or macchiato. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. It's go time at Dunkin' Donuts. Get your day going with two wake-up wraps for $2. Add bacon, sausage, or ham for a dollar more. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Plus applicable taxes. Limited time offer. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.